I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. If you've never heard the show before, got a question for you. Who's the best teacher you ever had? A coach, a counselor, a teacher, anybody, any kind of educator. Well, we think that almost everyone has that person, a teacher that really inspired them or helped them become the person they are today. So tell us about the person who comes to your mind and shoot us an email at teacherslounge at niu.edu and they could be on the show. Every educator we have on is nominated by the audience. And today we have a very, very special episode. I'm not going to lie to you. It's Lisa Felker. She's an art and music teacher at Morris Elementary School. She's taught everything from kindergarten, PE, reading intervention, the list goes on and on and on. Oh yeah, and also she's my mom. Yeah, that's that's right. An episode that we've been wanting to do, honestly, for a really long time. Pretty much for the entire two years we've been going on Teacher's Lounge. So we talked about how she handles being whipped around to different classes and learning to be the best teacher she can no matter the topic. We chatted about her changing careers pretty dramatically in her 40s and what held her back from pursuing education in the first place. There's one thing that turned me away from it at that time. I wasn't a good speller. That was it. I, I, and you thought you have I thought to be good if you're if you're a, a teacher. teacher, you need to have perfect handwriting. You need to be a perfect speller. So you know what? I guess the lesson to be learned in that, if it is just one little thing that's holding you back from doing something that you think you're really passionate about, do it anyway because you know, yeah, it, no one's perfect at anything or everything. I mean, she's an amazing teacher. She's an amazing person, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get to that, I've got a couple other stories. First of all, really big story here in Illinois that does affect education. In case you didn't know, the Byron Nuclear Power Plant, owned by Exelon, will close in just a few days with the station in Dresden following soon after. That's unless the Illinois General Assembly steps in, which there are bills advancing right now, but nothing's gotten approved yet. And I talked to folks from those communities, especially the education leaders, trying to save those plants. On the first days of the school year, students found tables in the halls of Byron schools stacked with envelopes and letters. The school district helped mail over a thousand letters to Illinois political leaders. The letters urged them to pass an energy bill so Exelon's generating station will stay in town. Christine Lind is the president of their school board, and along with other local school and business leaders, she spent the last year championing nuclear power and pleading with politicians. Now, they're just days away from the planned closure with no deal. I didn't think I could be more anxious. However, I proved myself wrong. Lynn says 70% of the school district's income comes from tax revenue from the plant, and she expects it could take years for state aid to make up the funding they'd lose if the station shutters. The station in Dresden could shut down in November. The Coal City School District receives $16 million annually in property tax revenue thanks to the plant, which is a little bit less than half of their budget. I've told everybody, you can't tax your way out of this because you'd have to over double the taxes here. That's Kent Bug, Coal City's superintendent. Bug is also the president of FAIRCOM, which is a committee made up of taxing districts that are home to large energy producing facilities, many of which are nuclear. He says it feels like their families are being held hostage in this political showdown. I also can't cut $16 million overnight and still run the school district. So there would be a combination of a, a large tax increase and massive cuts in programming here for our kids. He says it could also mean cuts to emergency services. 
it's going to yeah. be devastating not just to the functioning of our school district, but to the families we serve. As in Byron, they've been sending letters, filing witness slips, and calling legislators. Now, advocates have their sights set on August 31st. The General Assembly reconvenes for a special session on redistricting, and they hope lawmakers bring up energy, too. Sue Rezin is a Republican state senator whose district contains three of the six nuclear power plants in Illinois, including Dresden. She's frustrated that none of the proposed energy bills have even been called for a vote. Well, the governor's administration is holding up this bill uh, in order to push the decarbonization component that will push the natural gas plants offline. She's referring to the legislation that ties the nuclear power proposal with a plan to shut down coal-fired plants by 2035 and those fueled by natural gas by 2045. Resin says lawmakers had a deal on nuclear back in May, but the fossil fuel portion of the bill has stalled negotiations. The only way to decrease our carbon footprint is by keeping all of the nuclear power plants online, period. These plants provide 54% of our energy for the state of Illinois, and it's carbon-free. The Byron and Dresden plants alone provide 30% of the state's carbon-free energy. Bug says even though his district would be devastated, it's bigger than just Coal City or just Byron. It's the whole region. The Dresden station is the economic engine that runs our communities. Economic impact reports from Northern Illinois University's Center for Governmental Studies show the stations play a massive role in the region's economy beyond the thousands of jobs they provide. The study concludes that every 100 jobs at the Dresden station support over 100 jobs in other industries like construction, restaurants, and real estate. And every $1 million in output from the Byron station supports another nearly 600000 in the output of other businesses. So if the plants shutter for good, their communities are concerned that the ripple effects, economic, environmental, and social, will extend far beyond the immediate jobs lost when they close. Now for a quick news roundup. We know Illinois students are back to school, have been for a little bit, and unfortunately there are schools that are already seeing COVID-19 outbreaks. An elementary school in Stillman Valley's Meridian School District has moved to an adaptive pause for two weeks. 40 students tested positive last week, and the number could soon be easily over 50. Superintendent P.J. Capazzi says this has been especially difficult for families because many of them believe the worst of the pandemic was behind them. It's deflating simply because uh, at least last year it was linear progression. Highland Elementary students will be out for two weeks until September 13th. And the district also had a smaller sports-related outbreak at the high school. Capazzi says even if they see just as many positive cases this year, he hopes that with increased in-school testing, they'll at least have fewer quarantines. And the elementary students are learning remotely in increments throughout the day, depending on how long classes of different ages can stay focused. The Illinois Department of Public Health reports that 546 Illinois schools have already had potential COVID-19 exposures, and the state database lists at least 26 school outbreaks, which means at least five cases from different households linked back to a shared exposure at the school. At the same time, you're seeing vaccine incentives for students. At Mendota High School, there's a uniquely rural Illinois vaccine raffle happening. A few weeks ago, as the school year began, Mendota Superintendent Jeff Prusader received an interesting phone call. We had a, a local farmer that, that contacted me and wanted to know if it would be possible to donate a quarter beef processed and wrapped. If you don't know, a quarter beef weighs in at around 100 pounds. The anonymous farmer wanted to incentivize families to get vaccinated with the $600 value gift. 
Now Mendota High School is raffling off the meat. All students who get a shot in the arm before October 14th have a shot at winning the quarter beef for their family. Prasadar says a little more than 35% of their high schoolers are vaccinated, and he's already been hearing from more students interested thanks to the bovine prize. I hope you know I did get to use the pun Moo-Derna in the headline of that story. I'm so sorry. I, I really couldn't resist. Okay, it's time for my conversation with my mother, Lisa Felker. We had some technical difficulties because, of course, we did near the end. But regardless, enjoy. Buddy, we need a childhood dog on the podcast. Excuse me. Do you have a few moments? I think we might have got something there. That's what you want. And not only is this a special episode in that, you know, I had not had... Uh, you know, my mother on the show before, but also I think this is the first in-person interview for the show that I've done since early March of 2020. So this is the first in-person teacher's lounge that I've had in like a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I mean, I I might be a little rusty. I don't know. I'm not used to looking people, having people. Yeah, it's all been Zoom or whatever. So this is, you say you just had 15 years? It was like this this last year was your 15? This last year was my 15 year at the school district that, that I've been teaching at. So actually, I've taught for 17 years. 17. So I had two years that I taught part-time, which kind of, I guess you could say, just equals one year. But um, yeah, two years at a prior school district before this one. I was going to say, I was going to ask you about Lisbon too, but one of the things I wanted to mention was that, so you, this is your 17th year that you just finished up, but you have... Two years left? Yeah, this year and then one more year after that. So you have, so. you have more or less, a little bit slightly less than two years left. Yes. And do you feel like you've gotten to the point now where you can kind of reflect back on what the entire experience was like? And did it meet your expectations or was it different than you expected it was going to be? Oh, yeah, it absolutely met my expectations. And you know what? I've learned so much at every year that goes by. You learn more tricks to more tricks under your belt, you know, whether it has to do with classroom management or just presenting the material. So the more years that you have, you just you learn so much. You really do. And you, it's just when I decided to go into teaching, it was later in life, and it was really because of the the love that I had for children and just being around children in general. So that's kind of what drew me into teaching at that point in my life. So, I mean, you could actually even say that, like, being a mom and loving doing that is actually one of the things that made you want to be a teacher for and work with other kids. Yes, right. And, right. um I remember that right when I was going to college, right when I was out of high school, one of my summer jobs was at the playgrounds and organizing all the activities for the the kids coming in the summer for the playground. And um, I just loved it. They just kind of gravitated towards me, I guess. (laughs) Kids just gravitate to me. (laughs) That works out. I don't know if I've ever asked you this specifically, but I, you know, it's something that I ask on pretty much every episode of this show because the whole, you know, people are nominated because they feel like they need a spotlight or something. And I found that normally, if you're if you become a teacher, it's because you had a teacher at some point down the line too that inspired you or was good to you or, or made you feel like that was a possibility. Did you have someone? at any point of your journey in education that you loved so much where you're like, that's who I have in my mind when I think of teaching? 
Yes, and well, and I can also say that I always loved going to school, right? So I, I loved going to school. That's kind of a prerequisite for being a teacher. You would help. I love being in school. I love the whole idea you love of school. The, the two months off, fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, but yeah, I can um, think back to two teachers in particular. Uh, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. O'Connor, and she was just. Um, she just kind of made me feel like I was special in the way that, you know, you could be this good. You really could be this good at math. You could really be this good at reading. And where I always thought, well, I was just kind of average. But she was, you know, she kind of called me out as being, you know, I guess I got to be on, like, the accelerated math um, in her classroom. And I just remember her being such a positive person saying, you know, you could be better than average, you know? Well, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this at least once or twice, but, you know, when you are a teacher, we know that the biggest thing that kids are going to take away for the most part is not necessarily the day-to-day lesson plans and the curriculum that you're trying to impart onto them, but the biggest thing that people are going to remember years down the line is how you made them feel. Absolutely. And, like, is that something that when you got into education, is that something that you immediately realize, or is that something that comes with the experience? I think the more you teach, the more years you put in, the more you really see the needs that all the students have and how you really want to say and do things to uplift them because you just, you know, some students, they need it more than others, but, you know, you really want to showcase the positives in them and uplift them and I think the more you teach the more you see the need for that and the more you learn how to do that and just kind of individually point out things uh, their strengths in that just to kind of you know yeah encourage them I know that people like they emphasize in like colleges of education now this like whole child mindset where you're trying to look at the social emotional needs of, of kids right away Right, and I think that a lot of principals are going into the new school years. You know, I don't know if it is necessarily because of COVID and all the trials that, you know, mental health and that with students, but they first priority, they really want you to get to know your students. Really, really get to know your students before you even start teaching content. Is that what you were taught in when you were starting off to? Um, not so much. It was, was it just like, make sure that you have the content covered, make sure you can do that. Right. And classroom management obviously was, was a part of it too. It really was, you know, but really getting to know your students, their interests, their likes. And so mental health wasn't as much of the conversation. No, no, it wasn't. But, um, I think now you can't really teach content unless you actually know that individual and where they're coming from and how they how they learn, you know, because each student learns right. differently. I think that that's something that we people have articulated to me that makes a lot of sense where you're like, if you're not comfortable and, and safe and feel heard, you're not, if you don't have that environment, you're probably not going to be able to actually learn in the best way possible. Yeah, that's absolutely true because um, if you're coming to school hungry, you know, that's obviously foremost on your mind. Right. You haven't had a breakfast. Um, or, you know, if something bad happened the night before, that's on your mind. 
So, you know, you really have to take the time. And I was, I think I was listening to someone say the other day about how, you know, really with teaching, it's really nice to kind of have a co-teacher too because you can kind of bounce off ideas about if a student comes in and disrupts, you know, not so much focusing on the behavior but kind of giving a whole lesson on it Mm -hmm. for everybody. Right. So that it's not just centered around the one student who's, you know, having the, you know, disrupting the class or whatever. So, and if, you know, right at that moment, if you're not quite sure what to say, you can really make it a teachable moment, though, if you, you know, handle it the right way. And you've had a lot of moments over the years where you come in and someone is either, you know, being disruptive or not paying attention, and it becomes really clear that their home life is not good or there's something else going on. Right. And you know what? Usually those those kiddos are really easy to talk to one-on-one. They right. really are. And if you get, take a chance to go off to the side with them or talk to them after class later, you can find out some really good information. And they're really, most of the time, willing to listen and willing to talk things out with you. Yeah. So can we run through really quick the list of all the things that you've taught in, in 17 years? Kindergarten, middle I, school art, middle school music. What did I miss anything? PE. PE. That's right. I forgot about uh, PE. Reading intervention, <laughs> math intervention. Um, did you say music? I did say music. You said yes. mu- elementary music, middle school music. So, it's yeah, it's really made me very rounded. Um, when I think back, yeah, I don't think I would have changed anything because boy. I mean, my experiences have been really great in all those, and I really enjoyed teaching all those. Maybe not PE so much. It was kind of loud. <laughs> it's a little loud. It was very too. loud in there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've learned so much, and it's been good. I mean, is it hard at the beginning when you have to switch into something to be flexible? Because I know that you're worried about I want to be able to give these kids the best that they can get, right? Like, I want to make sure that they're getting from this class what they need to and that I'm prepared to do that. Is that really difficult at first to adjust and become confident in it yourself and then be able to do that for them? It is, and I'm glad you said that because it's like you want to give them the best experience. You want to give them the most information, the most content, the most... So if you've never taught that subject before, yeah, you have to take time to research. You have to take time to self-teach yourself again, try out different lesson plans, see if they work, if they don't work. But there's a lot of self-teaching and there's a lot of... There's a lot of learning and teaching. (laughs) A lot of learning and teaching, right. So, um, yeah, but I've really enjoyed the last six years or so that I've done the art slash music I've kind of really developed a lot in myself as far as what I can do. Were any of those intimidating when they they first told you, like, you're going to have to do PE or you're going to have to do art or music? Was there one of them where you're like, oh, I don't know if I know how to do that? Well, maybe up to fifth grade music because, all right, so I I have a music background. I played the flute, so I played an instrument. So I Piccolo. A little bit, right? Well... Some piccolo? A little bit of piccolo. <laughs> okay, we'll but not overstate the piccolo. Mostly, you know, just the standard flute. But, you know, I know 
you know, basic notes, rhythm, right. beat, and you know Cheat how music, to that sort of thing, yeah. how to teach rhythm and beat, and how to teach the basic notes. You know, and so teaching elementary music, you know, wasn't that difficult. Plus, I found out that, wow, you know, the little kids—they just love to sing funny, silly, goofy songs. You know, and if you just give them the love for music, right? You know, that's what they want. They have so much fun. You know, like. Some of these songs that I've pulled out from years and years ago, like probably the back Elvis when, one, back right? when like I a, was a kid. There was the, the, what is the Elvis Bread song, right? The, 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 the GI Blues, is that GI one of them? GI Blues, and actually, yeah. Peter, the year that I had to teach fifth grade, I actually <laughs> asked you, what were some of your favorite <laughs> songs that you sang in fifth grade? And you were right, they really enjoyed that. I think, it, I think it's that they have the really like obscure names of bread where it's like Hessen Pfeffer yeah. and Black Pumpernickel. Yeah. It's just fun to say. So when we were pulling the lyrics out, we really had to explain what some of those words meant too. I guess my thing is if we're having fun, right? you know, that's number one priority. You know, are you having fun? Are we singing songs that you enjoy? You know, besides learning some basic note facts and how to read a little bit of music and... But, you know, I've had requests for, you know, siblings to be in my music classes. It's, you know, because they like the songs that we sing. They, you know, but the little ones, boy, 45 minutes is a long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be ready to switch gears all the time from one thing to the next thing to keep them, you know, stand up, sit down, move around. So you started, though, kindergarten. Do you, do you ever miss it? You know what? There's something special about kindergarten because it's, it's a stepping stone, right? It is, and it's like, unless you were in preschool, it's a lot of times the first teacher, and you never forget who your kindergarten teacher was, and just the love for school, the love for school and the love for your teacher, the hugs that you get, and just, you know. It sets the tone. It's kind of the launching pad for the rest of your education journey, right? right? They're just so excited, and they're just so, I mean, there's so much, you know, you're, you're teaching them their letters, their numbers, they're te you're teaching them how to write w some words and how to read. It's just like big time stuff. I know. And I always say, I think that I must have been sick one day in kindergarten because <laughs> on the day they taught everybody how to write, I was sick that day because most, if I like writing a letter S, look at right now, if you're on the piece of paper, people start from the top and go the way. And I am starting from the bottom and moving my way from the top. And for my whole life, I've realized that I am writing most of my letters and numbers upside down. And that was that must have been just one day in kindergarten. I wasn't there for <laughs> the letter S. The letter S day, whatever day <laughs> yeah. of the week that was. Or, you know, or you're just, your motor skills just run into gear and that's what your hand muscle, right. fine motor skills felt comfortable with. I guess. So, you know. So you, we mentioned here you started off in Lisbon and you were part-time there and you really loved it there though. I did. You know, we we're talking small classrooms, you know, like I think my first kindergarten class was eight kids and... Um, How old are they now? I think that class has got to be junior or seniors well, in if college. You, if you do the math, if They're that was 17 years ago and they were five and six there, they're like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. Yeah. They're... They're probably, they might have graduated college. They may have, yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean, and I can just picture their little faces, too. Yeah. And I always say that, you know, I've, I've really had a unique situation where right now I'm teaching elementary and middle school, but some of those 
I, I see them when they're little, and then I get to watch them grow. I get to watch them grow up right in front of me. And I think that's a real unique thing to be able to experience. And I've known them, you know, when they were really small and then in middle school. And, yeah, we're with those kids so much. We really are. And, you know, we have a big responsibility. Yeah, and Lisbon, Just, like you said, it was such a small environment, which is probably perfect for starting off, right, is that part-time small classes, small town. I remember one time we went out there and there was like a parade in the downtown right by the school yeah. and they threw out candy and stuffed animals yeah. and I was 100% sold. <laughs> I was in, I got a stuffed animal for the day and I'm like, let's get out of here. I'm ready to go. Yeah. This is perfect. Yeah, there's something really special about the smaller schools too. There's a real community and small town atmosphere and yeah, um, the school that I'm at right now is very large and um, sometimes you you have to deliberately tell yourself to go down, walk down the second grade hallway or go up and walk through the um, fourth grade hallway because really I haven't seen those teachers in a while or I haven't seen those kids in a while because it's that big. I mean, you have to purposely, you know, go do it and check in on people. And yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I know I've obviously heard the story before of, how you became a teacher, but I feel like we should revisit and tell that story because originally you were applying for a different position in education, not teaching. Wow, it's really a strange story because here's the thing. I think when I was in school, I had the idea about wanting to be a teacher because like I told you, I loved going to school every day. So I'm going to be truthful with you. When I was getting ready to think about what do I want, what's, what kind of career do I want, and what classes do I want to take in college. As much as I told you, like, oh, I loved being around kids, and the kids gravitate to me, and it's something I really would love to do, there's one thing that turned me away from it at that time. What was it? It was like I wasn't a good speller. That was it? That was it. I, I and you thought you have I thought to be good if at you're spelling if you're a, a teacher, teacher you need to have perfect handwriting you need to be a perfect speller you know like the fundamentals the fundamentals yeah. you know and I thought well you and know I, I always I always struggled with fanatics and um, yeah. spelling and that and I so I thought well you know I'll go in a different direction and so um, I went into fashion merchandising and retail management and I did that for a number of years until I had my children. Yeah. And then when we moved to our small town here in Sandwich, I was looking for a job to do while you guys were in school. And I was going to actually be a bus driver. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Um, I can I, imagine you behind the wheel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down to apply for that. And you went there, down to the bus barn. I did. And she's looking at my resume and everything. She's like, you have a, you know, you have a college education. You have a bachelor's degree. I said, why do you want to drive a bus? And I go, I'm just, you know, looking for, we just moved into town. I'm just looking for, you know, another income, another job. She's like, why don't you be a substitute teacher? I didn't even think of it. Yeah. I'd never even thought of it. So I'm like, okay. And I had met a few um, teachers when we first moved into town, actually the 
people that we bought our house from. Yeah. She was a teacher. Yeah, she was a fourth grade teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, yeah, I should do that. So I, I went and applied and did all the background stuff for becoming a substitute teacher and all the tests that you had to take and whatnot. And I loved it. Oh my gosh, I was like, this is where I belong in a classroom. Remember? Do you remember the first one? Oh, I think it was a second grade classroom. Where was it? What school district? Um, it was in Sandwich. It was in Sandwich. Yeah, all of the subbing I did was in Sandwich. I was going to say, because I remember I must have been in second or third grade at the time. And When I did my student teaching, you were in second grade, and I actually did my student teaching in second grade, so that was fun. That's funny you say that, because I don't remember that. I feel like I should remember that. Well, because I, I had some of your friends in my class, and I, I could use you as an example. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope it is a positive example uh, as, yeah, a, as a you, cautionary it tale. Was, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because I remember at Lindsay Haskin Elementary School, shout out, shout out, mm -hmm. I remember being in that school and having you come in as a substitute, but I don't think that you ever actually substitute for one of my classes. They didn't did you want once? us to do – they didn't no. want – yeah, they didn't want you to sub in your own child's classroom. I don't know. Um, but I'm not sure if I would have liked it. I, I think that I would have, though. I feel like I'm the type of person that would have, I would have enjoyed being, you know, having that attention. Yeah. But I don't know about maybe me in second grade, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I did. Um, wow, I'm trying to think. Like maybe one year of subbing when I thought to myself, I think my husband said to me, why don't you just go back to school and get your teaching degree? So I, I kind of in, um, investigated that, looked at a couple different options of a couple different universities and selected Aurora University. And they had like a year and a half program to That's get, okay. you know, your master's in teaching on top of. And I, I yeah. did have, you know, I did have some classes that were able to transfer over that I had taken for my bachelor's degree. Like one of, you know, I'm an art teacher. I, I took a lot of art classes yeah. when I was going into fashion merchandising, you know, the history of art. Right, art all, appreciation. Art history. appreciation, yep, and all that, which gives me that endorsement. So anyway, um, so yeah, so that, that was hard, though. It was. I'm ta you're talking about going back to school at 40. <laughs> yeah. And... All right, so you have to take your basic skills test and all that, and so you have to remember all the grammar rules and all your math. Do you know that doesn't exist anymore? I did hear that. Yeah. Yes. But for me, that was difficult. I, I really, really had to study. Yeah. Because I didn't remember all the rules and grammar and whatnot. I know your Achilles, your Achilles heel. Did you have to? Did they check your spelling? Did they check no. your? That, that didn't end up coming back to bite you in so any way. The, the spelling. Thank no. God for the internet. That really Be, saved you on that one. You know, I have a lot of people check my spelling, and now we have spell check, spell check on everything, <laughs> which is fantastic. And I think since I became a teacher, I've become a better speller. So. Um, yeah. So you know what? I guess the lesson to be learned in that, if it is just one little thing that's holding you back from doing something that you think you're really passionate about, you know, do it. Do it anyway, because you know, yeah, it, no one's perfect at anything or everything. I mean, man, I really wish that you could have had a you could have substituted taught for me one time and like because I remember having you in the building then, and that was also the year that my dad 
would come into my third grade classroom and read to us like monthly. I know. And he would bring a whole tin of cookies in. Yeah. And like he would walk in and everyone in the class would be like, yeah, the cookie guy's back. And like there's no better way to endear yourself to like a group of eight-year-olds than just bringing them cookies. Right. And so I had you and you in the school and my dad bringing cookies like that was that was a really interesting yeah, year for what? me. They had both of my parents somewhat involved. When you say that, you know, um, kids really love to have their parents involved in their classroom, whether it's volunteering for a field trip or doing a class party. Yeah, which, that was my favorite. That was probably my favorite year of like elementary, like of that yeah, level. Yeah. So, I guess you know, take that personal day from work or whatever. And, yeah. And. Spend it. Well, it's the same thing that we're talking about, right? Like child, they would, they love that. You, you can take if you can take a day off of work. Like you're probably not going. If you didn't do that, you're probably not going to remember in ten years the one day that you could have taken off that you didn't that you just worked that day. But you're gonna remember the day that you were a chaperone for you know going to the Museum of Science and Industry or something. Yeah. And had to bring a giant tub of uh, you know graham crackers or something. And your for child and will never forget it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with the career change thing too, like you, you went into a different career at 40, yeah. you know, at, speaking as someone that's in their twenties and even when you're in college, it can feel like you are, whatever your tract is, I'm on that tract and now I just follow that forever. This is just where I'm at. And it's really intimidating and it takes a lot of courage to be able to be like, I, I'm going to do something completely different and I'm curious how you felt at the time and also like if there are people right now who are thinking about changing careers that they maybe have something that they were passionate about that they want to pursue, what would your advice be? So going back to school for me was exciting, right? Being a student again? You know, there was no hesitation. It was work. It was work to to teach myself certain skills in that. But, um, yeah, it was just excitement. It was excitement in that first um, classroom that I had. You know, it was so much fun. And for those people that want to, aren't happy in the career that they have, go back to school and, you know, I mean, try something new because, you know, why would you want to be in a job that you wake up every morning and dread going into work thing about teaching too every day is new every day is brand new you do something different every day you meet a different class with different students so you have you never know what's going to happen and you never know what's going to come out of their mouth (laughs) you never know what's going to happen and it's never boring absolutely not I think we could finish with some rapid fire questions where I'm just going to toss them at you. First of all, (laughs) I know that sounds dangerous (laughs) when I say it like that, like I'm hurling things at you. Biggest surprise over the year, the biggest thing that surprised you about teaching? My biggest surprise is I think I can teach anything that you want me to teach. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good surprise. I mean, yeah. I've even said that. The grandfather clock, by the way, in case people are getting this, live from my childhood home recording this. There's nothing like it. <laughs> I just even told my principal the other day, listen, I'll teach whatever you want me to teach. I can do it. Speaking of never a dull moment, I feel like part of the fun of having a parent or knowing someone that is a teacher is that 
every day it feels like you come home and you have a different story of something funny or weird that happened that day oh with the kids. Gosh, yes. Give me one of your best stories. Give me one of your, the ones that you come back to all the time. <laughs> oh, and there's funny things that I do too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got to tell you a couple of funny things that I've done. Okay, please, yeah. One was um, <laughs> when I'm teaching kindergarten. And you know what? A lot of times you do something and you don't want the rest of the class to realize what you've done and you're trying, you're trying to cover your tracks. Trying to cover it or pretend it like it really didn't happen. But like, Okay, so we have the whiteboards, and we got the spray whiteboard cleaner. Yeah. So I was cleaning something off my whiteboard in kindergarten, and I had the spray nozzle face the wrong way. <laughs> Did you spray yourself <laughs> sprayed in the face? My, sprayed myself in the face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Try to hold back from, you know, you're in, your eyes are stinging and burning, <laughs> and you don't want to let the little ones... You know, you don't want to show any weakness in front of them. Right, right. You don't want to know that something's wrong, you know. But um, yeah, I had that happen. And then I also had sat in a kindergarten classroom because they're little people, right? So there's little tables, there's little chairs. And I've missed a chair and fallen on the floor and hurt myself. A funny middle school one is we were using, um, we were doing a printing activity. So um, we, I have a squeeze bottle of the ink, and it was white ink, and it was sitting on my desk along with my low hand lotion. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I picked, up, I, picked, <laughs> I, I picked up the printing ink and squeezed it on my hands to rub it in like it was lotion. <laughs> but, you know, the middle schoolers are all kind of very independent workers yeah. and that. And so I, I, don't, I, think, go. I don't think anybody no saw that. I just walked over to the sink and, and washed that off. But I did share that with my counter um, art teacher, and she got a big kick out of that. So, <laughs> so, yeah, there's just – and, you know, the kids are so innocent, and they'll just repeat, you know, things – Somewhat, so fun, so funny. I'm I'm curious again for another anecdote, another story that you have of a moment that was maybe not as you know outright funny, but just a moment where you felt like, okay, I actually am like really making a difference. Well, when you have that student who looks forward to coming into your classroom, when they don't look forward to any other academic classes, but art and music. You know, the fine arts are so important, and sometimes we look at academics so much, but and a lot of times those students that are struggling academically, they strive in art, mm-hmm. they strive in music, and they need that time. And for us to be able to give them that opportunity in the middle of the day to do something that they really enjoy and are excited about. Yeah. And students that will talk to you after class about something that's going on in their personal life mm-hmm. and being a sounding board just to, to listen to them. And if it's not good at home, at least we can make it good at school. You can they at least be a refuge. A refuge. And, um, yeah, I have a, a middle school student right now who she just loves to hang out in my classroom. You know, she'll she'll stay there all day if she could, because she just feels that comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So my last thing I would ask you is then is, do you have anybody, any piece of advice for people that are coming into teaching right now? Yes. 
Like, I was just, I think it was last week, so we'd only been in school for one week, and there was a fairly new teacher, and she already had realized the caseload and the students and the accommodations, and it wasn't going to be a, an easy group of kids. Mm-hmm. And she, she was already nervous about how the year was going to go and how she was going to manage this classroom. And I said to her, I said, listen, I said, find some way to make it fun. Mm. Find some way to make it fun because if you're not having fun, they can see it. Yeah. And, you know, find, and you're going to come home every night and you're going to be worn out emotionally, physically. You got to find times during the day to laugh. Yeah. You got to find time during the day to be silly and have fun. And they're going to remember the fun times too. And they're still going to learn at the same time. Yeah. There's, but, Boy, you have, I mean, sometimes I, I remember the kids sitting on, I think I was teaching first grade that, that, that year, and I, I, it must have been story time. We were on the carpet rug, and another student, little girl walked in, another first grader, and she goes, oh, that must be nap time. And it just tickled us so much. We, all of us, kid, the kids and I, we laughed and laughed and laughed for the longest time. <laughs> was, was it just a random kid? Uh, she was, her teacher must have sent her in. Was the, she was in the classroom. complete wrong classroom? Well, yeah, she just she, wandered in? I think she must have been sent by her, her teacher. She was a couple doors down. She yeah. was in the same grade. And she must have been coming in to ask me for something for her teacher, maybe. And she said, oh, you're having nap time. Oh, no, we were sitting, sitting up on the rug, and we were, we were having a story that we were going to discuss later. And I don't know, it just... Oh. It got everybody, yeah. And you know what? It's, you know, you have to laugh. That was it. That was all I had for you. I feel like we're, you're 17 years teaching. I... You know, my entire journey through education, and even though I'm not a teacher myself, I do report on education. I feel like it all culminated here to us doing this podcast in the dining at the dining room table of my childhood home. So yeah, it's well. wild that we got here somehow. <laughs> I know. And this is a professional venture somehow. Who knows? That was great, yeah. <laughs> and thank you. And again, like I feel like every we always tout that every teacher we have on this show is nominated by the audience. This is the first one that's been nominated by me, so you are my educator. Aw, that's great, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like my mom, Lisa Felker. Send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, subscribe, leave us a rating, share it with a friend, share it with a teacher you know. A big thank you to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ofs for the awesome music you hear every show. Shout out to Spencer Tritt for our Teacher's Lounge logo. And I have been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.